0: Hello, I'm Zeb Neuwirth and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based and humanistic system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Friends, uh, I discovered and became very interested in the work that our guest and his colleagues uh, are doing. Uh, I came across an article a few weeks ago about this unique partnership that a hospital healthcare system, Christiana Care, based out of Delaware, created with a payer, Highmark, based out of Pittsburgh, PA. So I reached out to Dr. Kenneth Silverstein, the uh, chief physician executive, and um, we've had several outstanding email exchanges and phone conversations. I'm so impressed with his thinking and with the tremendous commitment he and his organization has made to form a unique partnership focused not just on sustaining the healthcare system, but on reframing and transforming it largely through a shift to value-based payment and new care model design. We're gonna hear a lot about this, so let me just introduce you to our guest today. Dr. Kenneth Silverstein is the Chief Physician Executive of Christiana Care. In this role, he has overall responsibility for ensuring high-quality care in all care settings, for guiding the continued growth of clinical services, for developing payer strategies that move toward value-based care models, and ensuring the success of their population health strategy. Dr. Silverstein joined the medical and dental staff of Christiana Care in 1991 as an anesthesiologist. He previously served as chair of Christiana Care's Department of Anesthesiology, medical director of their perioperative services, and as chief medical officer. Uh, Dr. Silverstein received his undergraduate degree from Brown University, his medical degree from New York University School of Medicine, and his MBA from the University of Delaware. He was a resident and fellow in anesthesiology at the very prestigious Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, and he completed his clinical fellowship in anesthesiology at the Harvard Medical School and System. So, Ken, how are you doing today?
1: Thanks, Zep, for a very warm introduction. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks, and I'm uh, really happy to be joining you in this conversation.
0: So one of the things I didn't share in the formal introduction, and I have to say, Ken, what I, I really, really admire and and, and sort of just got me going in our email exchanges and our phone calls is you are such a, a straight shooter you just call things as they are and i have to tell you i just find that so refreshing and i'm i'm hoping that you're going to share that with the audience today
1: i'm looking forward to the opportunity
0: we're going to spend a lot of time talking about high and your partnership and before we do if you could just tell us a little bit about Christiana care and maybe a 30-second high-level description of the partnership just to frame our discussion
1: Sure, sure thing. Christiana Care, we're an in independent academic medical center based in and around Wilmington, Delaware. We do provide services and and have neighbors in uh, Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania as well. Uh, but but primarily uh, based in Delaware, we're we're a big health system, but not a huge health system. You know, we've got maybe twelve hundred licensed beds and three acute care facilities. Um, we have a freestanding emergency department. What's unique about us, however, is how we're positioned within the state of Delaware. There are only three counties in the state. We're in the most populous county, and we just are the major, major provider of, of health care services uh, in, in this county and actually really across the state. So uh, while the numbers are, are not as huge as some of the big, bigger health systems out there, um, we have quite a presence. And that brings with it a certain obligation um, in terms of our, and, and sets for us really clear uh, a really clear mission of service to the community. So that that is something, I don't think that's unique in non-for-profit health health systems, but we take that our commitment to the community very seriously. And that's important as we think about how we approach the concept of the partnership. I said we're an independent academic medical center. We have 260, 270 residents and fellows. We're very committed to research, education, training. We're a branch campus for the Sidney Kimmel Medical College in Philadelphia so that we Provide some six or seven hundred uh, medical student medical student rotations every year, mm-hmm. so you know very much education, training, learning, being a learning organization is very much part of our DNA as well. Um, so I, I think that's that's good We're on the system. You wanted me to talk a little bit about at a high level this the collaboration with Highmark Health. Um, just been a fascinating journey, really a two-year journey to get us to this point. Back in March, we did sign a 10-year collaboration agreement with Highmark Health. Um, the, and Highmark Health is a parent company for uh, several blues plans, um, but they also are uh, a, a ho- completely owned uh, Allegheny Health Network, so they're in the provider space as well. Um, a fascinating company, which we've grown to know a, a lot about um, and really uh, have tremendous respect for. We, we created um, a new company, and the intent is to completely transform healthcare. How care is delivered, how it's experienced, and how it's paid for, and we do think there are some unique attributes in how we're building out this partnership. As I said, it's a ten-year collaboration agreement, so it's a, we've given ourselves a very long runway to tackle the vexing problems
0: that face us in healthcare. That was perfect. Thank you for that. I I, I think it, it grounds us in this conversation. So let's pick up on that last thing you talked about, which was sort of the as you just put it, the vexing problems in healthcare. And and if you don't mind my sharing, you know, in our correspondence. You described the situation in American healthcare as, and I'm going to quote this if you don't mind, as facing an apocalyptic forecast uh, in, in healthcare in America. And I have to tell you something. You wrote that to me in our emails. And I first looked at it and I said, you know, I thought, wow, that's really calling it. But let me just tell you something. And I'm not kidding here. In the last three or four days, and this is the first time this has ever happened, after you wrote to me, I've had two other physicians, uh, leaders, actually say almost the same exact thing to me. And in a conversation, quite honestly, neither of which had to do anything with American healthcare at large, it was really more focused, but they stepped back and they both said, uh, separate conversations, pretty much the same thing, that we are facing uh, some serious issues and it's not clear that people understand or realize uh, where we are in American healthcare. So I'm curious to you is, what do you see as this sort of, which you just called vexing, but you previously had termed apocalyptic, what are some of the fundamental problems in healthcare that you believe need to be explicitly understood and addressed?
1: Uh, so Zeb, I'm not sure really where to start with an answer to, to that question. Uh, I think you know the good news is that as you look look through the literature, you're seeing more and more people writing in a more forthright manner about what what's going on and challenges in healthcare. I think that's good news. I'm going to start with equity just because I, I, it has to be a centerpiece for us. And I, I, I think about the concept of the death gap here in Wilmington, less than two miles apart, there are two census tracts where the life expectancy is different by 16 years. Mm-hmm. Just, just an unacceptable sort of thing to, to see. Um, we really can't sit back and be, be, feel okay about something like that. Uh, healthcare is expensive. It's fragmented. There's the inequities. I, I, you know, It doesn't consistently meet the, the needs of the communities we serve. Whether that's in terms of their health outcomes, their experience, the cost, and then the affordability and access. So, I, I, I just, you know, I, it is apocalyptic. And the last time there was a forecast for rain for 40 days and nights, you know, they, they built an arc. And I, I think we're at a point where hmm. we need to architect the plan, we need to, to build a vessel, and we need to shuttle our community to the promise of better health care. Um, I think it's it maybe a little too shallow to just say we need to fix health care. But that is sometimes how I think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you also mentioned two other things. One was in our correspondence. One was, you know, the issue of primary care. And the other was the sustainability of our current business model. And you said, uh, quote, are we paying for the right things? Could you say something about about both of those?
1: Sure. Primary care, it is the foundation for how we're going to improve the health of uh, the communities we serve. It's the, the cornerstone of population health management. Uh, it's, it's kind of fun to talk to primary care doctors who, who look at you sort of with patience and kindness and say, we've known that for a very long time. Um, but, you know, even if it's late to the party, better late than never to really focus on primary care as, as a foundation. That report that came out in, in May from uh, the National Academy of, of Medicine calling primary care a common good, that, that investing and infusing primary care into the community, more primary care is better Um, It's it's not traditional market forces. You need to just, we need to build a strong foundation of primary care to start the conversation about improving the health of the communities that we serve. And the sustainability issue uh, in terms of the business model applies, let's just talk about primary care for a minute. We're seeing that primary care is faltering in terms of its ability to recruit people, to retain people, um, and and to to thrive as a practice, that's a problem. That's a, that is a business model issue as well, and a payment issue, and need for payment reform. I I, I think your question is referring more globally. I also look at um, you know some of the challenges that were these challenges that we're seeing when you think about root cause challenges in healthcare and what's the root cause. One of them, big issues that I, as I see it, is the gulf between how Care is provided and how it's paid for. And that gap between the payer and the provider, the sort of third party payment system and the, and the pay for volume is absolutely a root cause in, in why we're seeing fragmentation and decaying of, of healthcare and its ability to deliver um, and meet the needs of the communities we serve. So I, I, I think that that business model, the fee for service business model, which has served uh, a lot of us in healthcare quite well uh, from a, just a purely financial perspective is part of the problem. And we've chosen at Christiana Care to look, take a very hard look at that. And, you know, it's it, it, I, I, I think I shared with you the concept of Clay Christensen and the innovator's dilemma in his book, The Innovator's Dilemma, and he discusses the dilemma zone in which there's an existing business model which is creating a decent revenue stream, decent enough that you're afraid to sort of back off from it. But what will happen, what will emerge uh, is a disruption in business model that is going to initially not generate quite the successful revenue stream as the old model, but it will ultimately surpass it and jumping across that dilemma zone going to a what what looks like perhaps a lower uh, business model with a lower form of you know revenue stream is scary, but you've got to take that leap of faith you've got to commit to jumping across that zone to to get to a place where you will be ultimately more successful so we see fee for service as a, you know, plateauing and, and ultimately being eclipsed by pay for value and for value-based payment and assuming risks for the, the total cost of care for a population. And we are jumping across this dilemma zone, which we, we call the commitment zone and jumping to a m- payment model that involves value, pays for value, rewards value. Um, and, and that's where I got to that concept of like, we got to pay for the right things. Um, And and pay for the the providers and the systems that are actually delivering value to the community.
0: If you don't mind, I'd love to, before we jump into really talking about this partnership and the programs you're engaging in and the initiatives, what Clayton Christensen called the dilemma zone and what you all are calling the commitment zone, which I love. I mean, how do you have that? Because I suspect that this is a conversation that's happening in just about every large system in the country how do you navigate that? I mean, how do you have that dialogue with, uh, particularly with uh, the finance folks who are looking at, you know, the immediate financial success? How do you create that sort of ROI and saying, we're going to, like you say, sort of make this commitment, take this leap and into into a a revenue zone that it just isn't as robust uh, yet, isn't as mature. What are the arguments you make to to doing that because it does seem like there's going to be some short term loss or, or gives for the longer term gain. So I'm just curious what that looks like or how does that sound?
1: And I, I want to say one thing I'm so proud of uh, at Christiana Care is that it's our CFO who actually first put that Clay Christensen slide up in a presentation. And he is leading the way in terms of that. So that's, that's you know that's an incredibly helpful thing to to have consensus across your senior leadership team, including uh, finance. And where does, but where does that come from? It, it, uh, it may sound again, trite to say that it's the right thing to do, but that's, that's been the answer for us at Christiana care. And, and, you know, I said, we're very, very based. We're very mission driven. Our mission is to serve our neighbors as expert caring partners in their health. We're, we're very deeply connected to our core values. And one of our core values is love the other one is excellence. And the yin and yang and the interdependence of love and excellence, fascinating thing to think about. I, I get to spend a lot of time thinking about that. And it just is the, it's the right thing to do. And then when I mentioned purposely the, the kind of the, a relative market share in Delaware, that, that was code for our ability to leverage contracting with payers in a legacy sort of transactional model that is very, very powerful. And we're we're a financially very stable and very strong institution, um, and maybe that's part of what allows us to have this to think this way. But I, I will say that it's actually more striking that we are thinking this way because of that position. We we recognize and we talk about this openly, and we talk about this with our board. We could sit on the on our contracts and we could sit on our leverage for a, a long time to come, and we would be okay. It's just not. We're not delivering the healthcare to the community that we need to. And uh, we believe the payment model is holding us back.
0: Wow. I can see where it comes from. Love and excellence. That's profound. It sounds like that's where this comes from, that conversation uh, is stemming from. And the fact that your CFO is leading it is, or co leading it, is remarkable. So let's dive into the collaboration and partnership. Um, which it seems to me now hearing this backdrop, this is just, you know, I understand a, a lot more about the context of where, you know, you were looking for a partner and and you found Highmark and they fit, you know, what you were looking for. And I want to hear that. But let me let me quote you uh, just to give some backdrop, because you did, you know, you wrote together, and this is quote, together, we have launched a new company that will completely transform healthcare including how care is delivered and experienced and how it gets paid for. This collaboration is made possible by the shared values of our two organizations. This is about more than delivering healthcare. This is about creating health so that people can flourish in Delaware and beyond, end quote. So how is this collaboration going to transform healthcare and create health? Could you share that with us?
1: Yeah, I, and in some ways, I could be, you know, really selfish and say that that Christiana Care had a vision for transforming healthcare and impacting the health of uh, of those in Delaware and beyond. And you know, you could you could say that just about Christiana Care. We went out to look for a partner because what I said that that addressing this issue is not something that we could take on by ourselves, we, we knew that um, we knew we needed a partner. We wanted to do this vertical integration, as I talked about, bridging that gap between the payment, you know, pulling the payment and the provision of healthcare
0: Yeah. And Ken, Ken, I'm sorry for interrupting, but that, that's a really important point. You talked about, you knew you couldn't do it alone and you needed to vertically integrate. Say more about that. Why did you know, or what made you think that you couldn't do it alone and you needed the vertical integration? So
1: for, for a long time, uh, again, I, Christiana care is probably not unique as a health system, thinking they need to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Certainly in our community, where we're such a large part of the health care for the state, um, we, we, it's easy to get drawn into thinking that we have to do all of it ourselves. The good news is that over the last several years, we've seen where we can build capabilities more efficiently, more effectively, more rapidly through partnership. We, we've partnered in the urgent care space now, we've partnered in the, in the hospice space, you know we're 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 actively looking for partnerships where we can have a, a synergistic effect and really again develop capabilities that allow us to execute um, on and deliver on the promise of that that we've made to our community. And so we were in looking at, at transforming the healthcare system. We were confident that we needed help, that we needed to partner. We were we were in that safe space of saying let's find a partner. And when you think about that, looking you know the horizontal the concept of horizontal integration and just Partnering with another health system through merger or acquisition just didn't seem to be like that would do enough for us. So it's taking on more, uh, you know, high-priced real estate and assets, and a business model that we already s- suggested was unstable, and doubling down on that didn't seem to be the way to go. But going vertically in the healthcare sort of supply chain and part- partnering with a payer seemed to make much more sense because we could address, we could harmonize the economics of healthcare between the payer and the provider. You think about it, like we've been in this arm wrestling match with, with payers for so long. Every penny more that I get paid for a service is a penny out of the pocket of the payer. You know, every inch that I move more closely to victory is an inch that you move closer to defeat in an arm wrestling match. And that is the legacy system that we're used to in the payer-provider relationship. If we could fix that, if we could be sitting at the same side of the table. If we could share the financials, the upside and downside, we could get alignment and we could do things together that we would not be able to do apart. So we found that we, we, were, we, we wanted to, and we had many conversations and we talked to other payers before we landed um, in the conversation with Highmark, but we were convinced that the pair relationship was the one we wanted to chase down, the, the partnership we wanted to build on. Then when we approached Highmark, it was sitting down, it was the first conversations were all about our, our vision For healthcare. It was all about our mission. It was all about our values. And we literally took side by side, took our values, our behavior statements, and and core values, and we took their same document, and you could circle verbatim phrases on each of them that were exactly the same. And uh, it was really a profound awakening for all of us in the room to realize just how aligned we were two healthcare organizations. We were healthcare executives from these healthcare organizations trying to do with a very similar vision for improving healthcare and working together. When you start to explore the possibilities again of this harmonizing of the, of the financials is so powerful. And it, as we began to sculpt and create what this vessel could this, the arc could look like that we were building. We we just got broader and broader in terms of a comprehensive approach that it wouldn't just be about launching a Medicare advantage product together. Um, It wouldn't just be about, you know, p- putting providers together to, to figure out the best way to do care management, that it would be building a, a, a platform, if you will, that could truly transform healthcare, and we would do that together.
0: Wow. Uh, I, again, just so admire you for, uh, you know, talking, and you and you mentioned previously in our conversations, you you really started with, with foundational partnership principles, what you, you know, like you said, the mission and the vision, and what you two were really about and that became the foundation for the discussion about what what we could do together and you mentioned a, a little bit already but was there another partnership principle that you could share in terms of even how you a criteria for for what you were looking for a partner or something that you both resonated around you and high mark christian yes
1: uh, sure you know the the principles as we approach this you know we, we were we are two unique organizations with our own boards of directors and and our own uh, communities to serve and our unique strategies and and so on so like you know when you start to talk like now we're like i said i'm two years in i feel very comfortable Uh, In in seeing overlap in terms of, for instance, an alignment around our strategies and thinking more and more about what things we should be doing together. But we have to recognize that there are literally thousands, tens of thousands of people who work for each of these companies who don't necessarily see that. And so we had to make sure that in our guiding principles, as we put this, the partnership together, that we were, that we acknowledge the unique nature of each individual organization and that each organization has, you know, continues to have the right, if you will, to pursue certain activities um, that are, you know, in pursuit of their individual mission and and strategies. We wanted to, but we wanted to build something that would allow us to come together and wouldn't inhibit and block us from certain things. We wanted there to be flexibility because we didn't want to necessarily be exclusive in certain things. The concept of partnership that I talked about, it goes broadly. You know, if there's this opportunity to bring a, a, a tech partner in, for instance, that can help us solve some sort of a, of a challenge we're facing, we want to have structures and legal structures that would accommodate for that. So th- those were some of the other guiding principles was that, that this was a real partnership that we would be sharing, invest, investing, contributing in, in like ways. However, we acknowledge the unique nature of each of the organizations that were coming together in partnership. Um, and trying to create a structure that would allow us to be successful, given the unknowns looking into the future.
0: Yeah, you know, what struck me is, as you're describing this is just how much time and effort you Christiana Karen and Highmark spent on the relationship, on the relational aspect of this, on the mission aspect of it, um, as opposed to, you know, just getting down to the tactical part of it. And I just have to call that out. I just I, I find it remarkable because I even reading through some of the the literature you sent me, it just clearly a lot of time upfront was dedicated and I suspect still is dedicated to the relationship, the engagement, the transparency. It's just yeah. striking to me. What, yeah. no,
1: there's no doubt. And you may, you may be getting a biased take on that since I'm the one speaking. There's a ton of detailed operational work, obviously, that went into, particularly on the legal side in terms of hammering out the arrangements and, and the, the details. There, there are so many agreements that had to get signed through across the different uh, facets of this, of this partnership. Um, I, I was the one that was often just by my nature listening to the conversation and and perhaps jumping in to pull things back to that those guiding principles Um, but that worked you know Mm -hmm. every time there was there was some tension or some disagreement if we could go back to the 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 principles even as foundational as what are we trying to do here in healthcare Mm -hmm. you know thinking about like what's the problem we're trying to solve (laughs) where that that's uh we would pull back to the process and that's just something that's 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 my take on that I will say that where this started, where the relationship with Highmark started is with our CEO, um, Janice Nevin, and with the president of of Highmark Inc., Inc., which is a part of Highmark to help, uh, Deb Rice Johnson. They had an ongoing relationship. They would talk every month for a long time before we engaged in these partnership conversations. Mm -hmm. They built the relationship. They would talk about two major players in the state of Delaware healthcare, made sense for them to have those conversations, but they set the tone for this. Um, they were the ones who came forward and said, let's explore what we could be doing together. So I, I have to you know, say that there is a there is a history of working closely with Highmark, um, and it was always around building up on the relationships.
0: I, I think there's a lesson in there. You know, in healthcare, I think we've decontextualized the transactional part of healthcare. I think this goes down to literally the level of delivery where the relationship is sort of seen as separate. And I think, you know, for me, the lesson there is so much of content- and transaction, actually, the best of it emerges in and through relationships. And uh, so just, you know, again, striking uh, that that's, and thank you for sharing that, the backstory there. You talked about one project or initiative you're working on is launching a Medicare Advantage product together. There are some other core initiatives you're launching together. Could you share the uh, the, the major ones that you're working on?
1: Yeah, I think, I think maybe if it would be helpful if I can just sketch out for you how we're, how the partnership is constructed. Sure. Um, their overarching governance model, which is a 50-50 joint venture separate entity. And that is really the governance model. And it, we, there's a collaboration committee that is made up of you know the CEO, all the senior exec executives, uh, six members from each each organization, signaling the importance of this uh, partnership, and that's the oversight of governance. There, there's a partnership realization committee. If the name's not as important as the fact that it is about how do we get value out of the partnership, and that's a much more tactical committee that I I'm a co-chair of. Um, so it is again senior executives, but it's um, we're meeting. Uh, we met weekly for months. We're meeting every other week at this point um, to really oversee how the how the, the partnership is taking off. So that, that's the overarching structure and, and governance. But we, we then have um, vehicles, as we refer mm-hmm. to them, which are components of the partnership intended to create this comprehensive approach to transforming healthcare. So it starts with data. It starts with creating a combined data set and being able to apply a set of analytic tools to dig into the data, to identify where there are opportunities in terms of low value care, high expense, places where um, we're not meeting the needs of the community through data and analytics. And then creating solutions to to tackle those issues. And so we will be, we have a vehicle that is our solution design center. So we will be working together, um, pulling the, we have an innovation center, they have an innovation center, we're pulling those teams together and working on discrete solutions that we can put out into the into healthcare, to, whether that's to improve health outcomes, improve experience on the provider side, improve experience on the, on the customer side. Um, So we have a solution design center, and then we can apply those solutions in a virtual practice. So our second vehicle is, is is a virtual primary care practice, which is live, and we're starting to enroll patients in that. Then we have a third vehicle, which is about the payment and how do we wrap payment around in a rational way. And that's where we're looking at Medicare Advantage, but also other ways of, again, because we can share financial risk in a very unique way through the partnership for a shared population, it gives us a very powerful way to approach thinking about quote-unquote insurance products, really how do you pay for, for, for healthcare uh, in a way that rewards value. The fourth vehicle is going to serve us for commercialization. And it would say, if we've got something, if we've got a solution that's working, if, we bu- if we're if we building a platform that can really address healthcare challenges, we should be able to scale that and we will commercialize that. And the fifth vehicle is, is, is looking at overall what is the relationship in terms of payment you know we, we, we i i think i talk a good game on value based care if you look at our commercial business with highmark in the state of delaware however it's built in an old system and we know that we have to address that we've got to we've got to you know uh, tackle that we've got to and and we will be able to we'll be successful in adjusting how healthcare is paid for in the state of delaware between highmark and christiana care because of all the other work we're doing, because we're going to have solutions that we can apply in a in a new in a new delivery model that's virtual virtually enabled, you know we're going to have different ways of paying for things. We're going to be able to put that all together and weave it together in a way that will solve this problem of of how do you move from this very successful fee for service model into pay for value without sinking the ship? And that's what we're preparing to do.
0: And so these. Uh it seems to me six or so vehicles that you mentioned, they really seem they're complementary. You almost need to have all of them to really, they're almost like pistons that have to be firing together. Is that correct? So
1: that's great. I'll take you back to a very early conversation in the partnership. And there was a very rough draft of this concept of different, of different things we could do together, the different vehicles. And there was a time when the question came up and said, should we pick just some of them to do together and not others? And I'm laughing about it now because at the time it was a serious consideration because we just didn't know how far we wanted to go with this. But what you just said is absolutely spot on as far as I'm concerned. There's an interdependence between these things. Mm -hmm. So as we get experience in a virtual primary care practice, we're going to say we're going to identify where there's challenges for our patients in terms of their experience that may be solved in a solution design center. You know, when, when, we, when we when we as we explore Medicare Advantage, we're going to learn things about how the virtual practice can be modified in a way to reach that particular population. There, there's it's all interdependent. It's that's why we're convinced that this is a comprehensive approach to solving healthcare challenges, because you can't. It's hard to just talk about one and not not go bleed into what the
0: others. It's awesome, and I and I use that word awe uh, very very intentionally you know, you could, like you say, you could just work on an MA product together, but that's that's very, it seems to me that's limited and limiting. But now when you add, you know, the virtual health practice and the solution design center and looking at payment more broadly and, and even thinking about commercializing, and all of a sudden you start to have this unique synergy. And like you say, it becomes interdependent, but it actually allows you to build new things um, as opposed to relying on, just the current existing extent systems that you have in place—it's right. really impressive. The practice, the virtual health primary care. So, is that is that a um, a single practice, which is sort of a test practice, or are you looking to actually expand that and scale that?
1: It's it's a yes and I think um, so. We, Christiana Care has something called the Center for Virtual Health, and that is really the the cornerstone of of the practice. And currently, it's being provided by Christiana Care. The Center for Virtual Health is actually a wholly owned subsidiary within Christiana Care Health Services. So it's, it's, a, it's a unique entity. And in that, it can be built out to be a, an independent you know, practice separate from our employed medical group, for instance. We have the, mm-hmm. the, the capability to do that. <clears throat> right now, we're actually leasing clinicians from our employed practice into the center to deliver mm-hmm. that care. Um, but, but there's, like I said, I told you, one of the guiding principles was was flexibility. So we have the ability to structure it in such a way where this, the Center for Virtual Health could be, um, you know, a, a standalone entity. Um, it, it's clearly in service to Christiana Care strategy, but it's also in service to uh, growth and it's in service to diversifying our revenue. And it's in service to us learning how to provide, you know, take better care of our community. And so it is a it's an active uh, primary care practice, which actually has been in place even before the pandemic started. We, we had our own employees enrolled in a, in a virtual primary care practice. At this point, with all the learnings of the last 18 months, it certainly has, you know, mm-hmm. we've catapulted our capabilities in, as everyone else has. Um, but that Center for Virtual Health, it's not just a primary care practice. The intent there is to build out um, really an array of
0: virtually enabled services. Got it, and and that's something again. One of the other vehicles is commercialization. So there, there's like you said, an, a potential an alternative revenue stream. So is the practice, and I hate to just focus on one of these vehicles because there's they're all amazing. Is that practice purely one hundred percent virtual, or is there an in-person component to that?
1: It is essentially 100% virtual. Um, you know, we, I, and it's, it's, it's been such great learning, which again, we started that journey um, and, and we're on our way prior to, to the pandemic, but certainly learned a whole lot more about just how much you can do in the virtual space. Um, if, if someone needs to be seen, you know, we're fortunate, we're part of a health system and we, are, we have, for instance, uh, urgent care centers that, that, are, that we own. Um, we have ways of, of people being seen if they need to be seen. But we, you know, really, if you think about like one of the important things in the transformation of healthcare is moving away from the doctor visit, moving away from the episodic care and the, the virtual platform we do. Like I probably 80% of our touches are asynchronous and, and you know, like secure texting. Um, and, and so the ability to stay connected with people, that's, that's really sort of something that we look to is really important is how, how well do we, we build a lasting relationship with people? It's not by having them sit in our waiting rooms to see our doctors in person. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the virtual platform is really intended to, to emphasize that.
0: Are you looking in terms of, is this targeted as sort of employer populations and sort of urgent care, immediate care, or is chronic disease management? What is it focused on?
1: This is a primary care practice. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, as any primary care practice, chronic disease management, occasional acute interventions, uh, wellness, absolutely, it, it's really intended in primary care. It's not an urgent care solution. Um wow. this is this is a primary care solution
0: that's fantastic I think we could devote a whole discussion and an and episode just to diving into that um, and maybe maybe I could pick up on that another time I'm sure folks are wondering about it and what other part of this would you like to emphasize I, I want to give you the chance to speak to whatever vehicle and and actually before I do that so this is this collaboration this partnership it is a separate, Entity, you've created a separate entity that you're both part of. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. The the entity exists primarily through a, an agreement, which has created a you know a separate an LLC, um, and you know that's the governance model right now. It doesn't have a lot of substance. In fact, we have just hired in the last month a vice president who, to oversee the partnership, and they are actually employed currently technically by Highmark. Um, Although that is, it's a shared, you know, shared expense by us. Mm -hmm. And it was a joint hire um, because he is completely committed to the partnership. But the partnership, the vision for the partnership, the entity is to ultimately have the ability to have an HR function, to have, you know. So I didn't mention vehicle zero, which is like is the sixth vehicle. Is all the infrastructure. It's where the data will be housed. It's the it's where HR and finance functions and analytics and reporting will be housed. And we're in the process of building that out. We started because of deadlines. Like for instance, if you think of Medicare Advantage and all the the work, the the bureaucracy associated with getting into a program like that. We had to actually start working in the partnership before we had all of, the, all of it built. So the vice president is now on board and is starting to look at, the, look at that. So how do we actually have a, a thing that you can look at and say, here is the partnership. Here is the, the substance of it. Here's the HR function where we're hiring people. And here's how they're defining benefits and all that kind of stuff. Right now, we don't have that, but that is the ultimate vision.
0: That's fantastic. Is there something we've missed about this that you think is critically important before, before I kind of get into a, a last question for you?
1: I, I just was going to say, I know because you and I had talked a little bit about this, and I, I don't, you know, don't want to overemphasize the relationship, but, but I think it got appropriate play here. There's a risk of there's a backside to that, which would be to prejudge what that relationship could be like and to just expect that the legacy of the payer provider relationship will always follow you. And I, I, I can't, it's, it happens like almost daily that you see somebody getting caught in that web. And it's just really important to, to, to put, park that at the door when you enter into these kind of conversations. We couldn't have gotten as far as we did in the discussion about and in, in the creation of this partnership if we carried those, those prejudices into the, into the room uh, to have those discussions.
0: What an important point. I want to just in the last minute or so, just step back with you. And, you know, we started uh, and I asked you about the fundamental problems and issues in healthcare today. When you look at the national level, when you look across the scope of, of healthcare systems across the country, you know, if you had an audience and a broad audience of healthcare leaders from hospital healthcare systems, payer side, et cetera, across the country, is there sort of a message? And I know, I know you've also, are channeling some of the work you've you've shared with me that you, resonates with you from uh, leaders at the HHS and CMS level. But just you know, from your perspective, is is there sort of a message you'd like to to share with leaders across the country?
1: Well, I want to thank you for the question because I, I get to really show my bias as a as a chief physician executive, uh, and that is the role of the physician in this process. I, I think that advocacy setting policy is going to be part of the solution, there's no doubt. It's exciting to think about the leaders now at, uh, at CMS and CMMI and to, to see what they're writing about and, and to, to, to know and believe that they're willing to be engaged in conversations about transformation of healthcare through policy adaptation and through adoption and through payment reform. Clinician has to be the one that's going to choreograph healthcare. At the end of the day, there's going to be a, a doctor holding a patient's hand or a clinician holding a patient's hand and taking care of them, and it's that is the the elemental building block of healthcare is the provider uh, uh, patient interaction. And so, I believe that we need to have a seat at the table defining what healthcare should look like, how it, how it is how the delivery model of the future should be designed. Um, and then bring in the policy conversation to see how you can support
0: that. As you're talking, the image of that is just you know taking shape in my mind, and and I I really appreciate you saying that that the conversation has to start there and almost concentrically build the infrastructure and the payment and the clinical models and and the business model and the tech model around that. And I'm I'm not sure that's the way healthcare has been constructed, but it's a great vision for the future. So can't thank you enough. You know. Ken, again, just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. You know, you've had a great conversation when all you want to do is continue it. Um, and I, <laughs> I I, would love, I've got so many more questions. I'd love to dive into those vehicles. Again, the virtual care practice, the solution design center and what you're working on. So I feel like we've just opened up the opportunity for a second, deeper conversation, maybe a deeper dive. And I'd love to to perhaps invite you again sometime soon to have a part two with me, if that's okay with you.
1: That sounds great. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Well, thank you. And Ken, as I do every episode, I conclude by thanking all the folks out there who are doing the hard work each and every day uh, of taking care of patients uh, or supporting those who are taking care of patients, uh, which quite honestly resonates with the message you just ended with, Ken. I just want everyone to know that uh, I and we truly appreciate uh, the clinicians and staff uh, for what you do and recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, families, communities, and our society and I have to say especially especially in these times right now, we are in the middle of this delta surge. we are at uh, many of us in a delta peak uh, peak of that surge, and uh, the work and care and the professionalism and the integrity and the resilience that clinical teams and staff are showing are just absolutely remarkable. Couldn't begin to even express the importance and the gratitude there. So just want to say thank you to all of you out there who are, are doing this work or those of you who are supporting the work. This is Zev Neuwirth on Creating a New Healthcare. My friends, until next time, be safe and be well.